I always underestimated how easy and best it is to have family members cheering you on and seeing the smiling faces and just like, man, I'm running this for not only myself, but to motivate others to hopefully do hard things too. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with part two of the Lake Norman 50K Ultra Recap Podcast. Me and Jeff here, we did part one, which was prior to the race, so our feelings and thoughts and anything that we wanted to get out before the race, it's now Monday, 9.23 a.m. Jeff's already late. I can't believe he would be late to my podcast, but I am going to forgive him for that because he signed up for the ultra. He completed it with me. It was a hell of a time. How are you feeling two days, well, a day and a half after the completion of the race? Well, I've got a few things. One, my feet are bruised. So walking (laughs) seems like a challenge. But then my mind is like, well, you just ran 31 miles. You can get through anything. You might as well just keep walking. So mentally, I feel 100 times stronger than what I, <clears throat> before I left Boston, coming back to Boston. Yeah, now it's just like bruised feet, a little sore. But mentally, man, uh, that, was, that was awesome. I keep telling everyone, I was like, that was the hardest, greatest challenge and experience that I, I think I've ever had outside of uh, what we talked about previously. Hell yeah. So let's give the people a little rundown of that day. So from when we woke up to kind of like what our recovery was to the thoughts going into the race, let's just dig in a little bit. So Saturday was race day. The race started at technically we needed to be there around 7.15 to get our bib. And then they had a little info session at like 7.30, 7.45. And then the race started at 8 a.m sharp but we were up a while before that and for me i know like i woke up i think i got like four or five hours of sleep and my recovery on my whoop uh was like 35 percent, which i was expected but when you woke up kind of like how are you feeling that morning what were your thoughts what was going on in that mind of yours so all right first off we stayed at your brother's house which was amazing because i realized your brother lives like only 15, 17 minutes away from the actual trail. And I know we went the day before to the trail to check it out. But the biggest thing was looking at the weather app. And both of us were looking at different weather apps. And we kept thinking, this motherfucker is going to rain. It's, it's going to rain for hours when either either like right after we start or at least while we're finishing. And so that was on my mind quite a bit. And then on top of that, you know, like anyone that travels, you know, trying to sleep somewhere different is always kind of a challenge, especially if you have to wake up semi-early. I don't typically wake up 
you know, like 6 a.m. on a daily basis. So I, the excitement for the race, the nerves going in, you just don't sleep as well. We we're both wearing whoops. And so I didn't even want to check mine in the morning, honestly. I didn't want to see how much I actually slept or didn't sleep. <laughs> and it was, it was so interesting. So that's, those were the few things going through my mind. Is it, is it going to rain? Am I going to wake up on time? CJ, you have a good story for that. I was like, will I wake up? I set my alarm. Did I set it right? I, like, I get anxious for some reason going into some of these early morning events. But yeah, and then, and yeah, then you're, the things. you're touching on some great points here and things of value for other people that are going into races. One of the things that I think we did really well was understanding we should fly in two days prior. I think a lot of people probably just fly in the day before the race and then start rushing to to get ready and mentally prepared and physically prepared for it but we both flew in a day and a half prior to the race and the other advantage we, we did have a house uh with my brother so i recommend if you're doing a big race for your first time like maybe renting an airbnb where you can control more of like what you're eating and cooking we cooked two meals so thursday and friday night we we had dinner at my brother's house leading up to the race so we were controlling a lot of our variables we also were able to do sauna and ice here and go on a shakeout run on Thursday. So we did a lot of things, I think, prior to the race that made us a little bit more comfortable so that we could basically go into Friday night knowing we're not really going to sleep that well, but our bodies are, are still primed for Saturday. Another thing that I recommend other people, you touched on it, other people do is uh, go to the starting point the day before. So envision seeing that and what it looks like that way there's no on the day of like where are we how much traffic is there going to be what are the what do the roads look like we went there the day before and kind of mapped out where the starting point was and then where the different aid stations were this also helped uh jeff's wife taryn who was crewing us this whole time so just mapping it out and seeing kind of what the race was going to look like and where it was going to be was I don't know about you, but it was super helpful in my mind because I could start envisioning like what the next day was going to be like. Now, the morning of the race, um, I woke up at like 530. I couldn't really sleep. Um, I think Jeff got up. You got up around six. What was your pre-race routine the morning of? Pre-race routine, basically try to wake up, go to the bathroom as many times as I needed to or could. <laughs> slam some oatmeal so you get some carbs even though your stomach's just like what are you doing like I, that that's also another challenge for me i think it's also for you but you need to ingest some type of carb so your your body's ready to go and primed and then try to drink some fluids i recommend or at least not recommend but like suggest something like element so you can get some of the sodium in your body and i also like fit aid as well or life aid but yeah, trying to drink, trying to actually eat some food. I think oatmeal, like overnight oats, is probably one of the easier things. So if you can train your body before, just train it in general, I think that really helps. But yeah, nerves, trying to trying to eat, it, it was hard. Uh, but I think the biggest thing with ulcerative colitis for myself, and I know stomach issues for you, CJ, but uh, trying to go to the bathroom so you don't show up and you're like nervous or you're like, am I going to get to the bathroom? Am I going to have an accident, a little whoopsie on the trail or right before the trail? And you're just like, these are like little things that go through my mind. But at the same time, you just try to do what you can. 
And that's why we packed baby wipes in our trail vest <laughs> for just in case. But you said it, uh, something for me that's actually extremely difficult is I don't usually eat until 11 or, or noon and eating at six in the morning is not something that I've done for probably a decade now. Um, and that was almost harder than the first 10 miles of the race is forcing some calories in your body because you know, you're about to burn a shit ton during the race. Um, for me, it, the food was less of a concern. It was more of, I've had back issues the past couple years and like even the past month it was flaring up. So I just made sure I stretched, got in front of the red light and got the body loose a little bit, had some caffeine to get the mind going and really get amped up for this. And then started kind of dialing into not forgetting anything for the race. So I think another thing looking back that we did really well was put together all the things we need uh, the day before and really kind of do a checklist of what are we going to need what are we potentially going to need? Because we we way overpacked, which was a good thing uh, in terms of food, clothes, hats, everything that we wanted, we had. And we were fortunate to have your wife, Taryn, be able to drive around with her car with all that stuff. And you had a huge, huge bag that she would show up with at every aid station. But let's jump into, okay, we're, we're on site. The gun is about to go off well not the gun but the the little sound machine gun that they have and we're about to start this race was there anything in particular going through your mind or it was i would say 55 degrees it was perfect weather no rain yet what were you thinking about as we were starting on our trek so I know you've done big events already. I haven't done big events like this. So like competitions, I should say. So this was one of the bigger events for me. Uh, my mom and my grandfather showed up. You, like you said, my wife showed up. So I got to see all them at the starting line or like right before. So I was, you know, kind of distracted by them for a little bit. And then it was, we got the pep talk around like, what, what do we do during the race? We did the national anthem. And then I'm like, oh, I should stretch. I should do some dynamic stretching. And man, right after that national anthem, they're ready to go. So basically, I'm like, oh, am I am I prepared? Are my muscles ready? And it's so funny because I'm like doing some dynamic swings with my legs. And and you come running up. He's like, you don't need to do that. Your body's already ready. We're just going to go. Let's get to the front. <laughs> so so like my mind was already just distracted, which was great. Like I was like. I'm ready. Like I got no, this. no, no, we can't butcher this. I came up to you and said, you're not going to get your body primed in the next two minutes. We <laughs> yes. got to get to the front. I was like, whatever you're doing right now is not going to make a difference. So let's, let's get our asses to the front. So, uh, we can have a little bit more of an enjoyable of starting this race off. Cause you never want to start in the back. Like that's just not as, it's not as fun. Yeah, we, it was definitely fun to start in the front. Like, yeah, I I've actually started like uh, a half marathon at one point in the back and you're just like surrounded by really either the really slow people or the people that are brand new to it. And then you have to work your way around the crowd. So it was, it was actually very enjoyable to start towards the front. Also, my mother-in-law caught us on the live stream later on that I learned about. And so like, man, starting the front just has advantages. But yeah, going through my mind, I was just having fun. I was kind of following your lead a little bit and uh, enjoying the moment. Yeah, and 
that's what it's all about. I think when you get on site, you want to not put an expectation of what it's going to look like. In my mind, I've done that in the past and it's caused some issues of like, this is what I want it to look like versus the reality. And for me, the only thing I really cared about was we're going to get to the front of this line and, and when the race goes off and then kind of slow up so that people start passing us because we weren't going to try and win this race, but I just wanted to feel that race vibe. And it's tough to do in the back if you start there, but if you're in the front and you're kind of in the mix of this pack. And once we got into that first mile, I have footage of a lot of this race with my GoPro. You'll see that there's five people in front of us and there's five people behind us. So in the beginning of the race to start with that mojo and that motivation is great because as we saw in the middle of the race, it literally was me and Jeff in the middle of the woods and we didn't see anybody for two hours. So in the beginning to have that kind of motivation and be around other people is is a lot of fun and you you get the adrenaline going and that's what i love about these races but what were some of the things when we started that when you start running start creeping in like maybe we're two miles in or, or a couple miles in and you're just like damn we have were there any points where you're like we have so much further to go i don't know if i can do this a hundred percent i I think like mile three, I, we talked about this like post recap when we, when we finished it up, actually, we were probably talking about it at aid station and you helped flip my mindset a little bit, but you're, you're running, you're seeing like all these people pass you or like you're passing others. So your mindset is, is like very much, at least my mindset was very much in the, Hey, let's just keep running. Just keep running. Like, keep it simple, stay focused. One thing that I struggle with, I have some weak ass ankles. <laughs> I don't know about like the rest of you, but I worry about my ankles because I've twisted them playing like basketball or other sports. And like mile three, I twist my ankle and I'm like, <laughs> like my day's over. I'm ruined. How am I going to be able to complete this? And it, it ended up not being that bad at all. But like it kind of just scares you a little bit. And it made me focus even more going the, on the downhills. And you told me one of the best things, CJ. You're like, if you are going to trail run, you better expect to like, get a few nicks, maybe twist an ankle here or there, or, you know, jam up a toe. Because if you don't, you're not trail running. Like, and that was so true. And that actually really helped power me through it. But yeah, I, I, there's a, so many points where I was like, oh my goodness, there's, there's a few more miles to go here or how many more miles to the aid station. But at the same time, I just, I just thought back to all my training and I didn't even train that long. I only trained for like a few months. But and actually like three months to be exact. And just knowing that when you get to that like mile 10, mile 15, if you just can like continue to think like I put in the miles, I can do this, I can do this. Or you have your best friend egging you on saying you can't do this. Uh, it, you just find little things to like motivate you and also like enjoying the surrounding can be very distracting in a great way. So like you did a great job of this to remind me that, hey, look around. Like, we see the lake. We're in the forest. How surreal and awesome is this? So, like, those little moments that were creeping in saying, like, can you do this? It really didn't happen all that often. But I would say, like, maybe three or four times just when, like, some of the pain just starts getting to you. What about yourself? Yeah. That's a great question um, in terms of... I want to get into when, when the pain starts getting to you, but I want to answer 
kind of like what I pose at you first. For me, the difficulty really stemmed more from being focused. I mean, you you saw it with me. Like I am I'm reading a book called Hyper Focus right now. I'm all over the place. Even when I'm trail running, it's like music and videos and high-fiving people. And I struggle to just focus on one step at a time. And later on in the race, that was one of your lessons as we went through this race for anybody listening. Every like 10 miles, I would ask Jeff, like, what lesson has he learned from like the previous 10 miles? And at one point, he was like, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Just like focus on that one step. And for me, a lot of these trail races or anything challenging that I'm looking to do, it's to force myself to focus, to get in flow state. And at the beginning of the race, like I found myself struggling to do that. As we got out into the woods and I start reaching that pain cave, uh, it starts forcing me to focus because you don't have an option. As soon as you get in pain, you're like focused on the pain. The pain brings you in focus. And that's what I was looking for. Um, so that was a really big struggle for me. And when it comes to like your ankles and stuff like that, fortunately, like I, I played, co I played college soccer. So the Knicks and stuff, like I was so used to my body going a lot further than my mind thought it could. Cause you like get injured really quickly and it's, it's like called a stinger. And then you start getting in your own head versus the reality is like you can go a lot further, especially if you're just like, I'm just doing this today and then I can recover after. Um, so just not letting your brain hijack what you potentially could do. That's what I wanted to help you with because I feel like you allow your brain a little bit to hijack the experience rather than saying, okay, I have a, a little bit fucked up of an ankle, but I'm actually proud of myself for being out here and doing this. And that was expected. So like my, for me, on the other hand of, I didn't have a rolled ankle, um, but my feet were getting so fucked up. I kept kicking the roots like seven times and Jeff saw it, saw it happen and would just be like, you all right. And I'm like, yes and no, <laughs> Like my toes are jacked up right now. Um, but they're not going to stop me from, from completing this race. Like just keep running Jeff. Like I'll, I'll deal with it. Um, but let's get into that next question of when did you really feel the pain cave start coming in? Because this is a six hour race and obviously the first kind of hour or two, you're around a bunch of people, there's adrenaline, there's motivation. You're not lacking uh, energy yet because you haven't burned enough calories, but there's a certain point in the race for everybody where that pain cave comes and you have to make this decision. Am I going to keep going or am I going to switch my strategy or am I going to quit? So for you, when was that? Yeah, I, so there's like different points when this, all right, first off, we, we did talk about the strategy that we first wanted to, to do or that I was expecting to do, which was really try to preserve all of your energy up front. And the strategy was going to be 10 minutes of running, you know, walk the uphills, but try to get like 10 minutes of pretty decent running and then five minutes of walking that strategy went out the window and it was actually really great because like I felt as though you and I, and mostly for, for me, I would say you run exceptionally well downhill. I was a little bit more cautious. I feel like you have a childlike motion to you, which was like so fun to see. I know this isn't all about, you know, saying like how strong of a runner you are, but 
uh, I had a lot of fun just kind of watching you because you were ahead of me for the majority of it. And I think like one off, if you're going to run one of these, having a friend, especially a friend that can do this or is like mentally strong is so, so helpful. I really didn't struggle too, too much thinking because like you and I would either like have conversations, we would, um, yeah, we, we would just like had great banter, great motive, motivation between each other. I could feed off of your energy, maybe fed off of my energy at some points. But that pain cave really didn't start happening until, yeah, we were pretty much alone, probably like mile, I would say like 18 through 24, right before you get to like your two stretches of aid stations, because the aid stations, you would stop just for a moment and get your your energy or like your gel packs, your gel packs, and you would literally just see or, or feel, I should say, feel your feet hurting and your body's like, we're done now, right? And you're like, no, we're not done. We got to keep going, man. We got to keep, we got to keep chugging. So my feet would start hurting and then you would get into your head a little bit and then you would just shut it off because like either you or I would just be like, all right, let's, let's keep going. We're, we got like six more miles left or, you know, like next aid station. We'll see you back here. And then I think one of the best things that could have happened, I didn't listen to any music really. Like you had the phone with the the music going. You could like kind of barely hear it. And then mile 24, our like last aid station that we got to, we put on some motivational speeches and like, man, my pain went away because those speeches are, <laughs> you're ready to run through a wall. So you're just like, I got this. I can do anything right now. So like I, I did not hit that many pain caves to be quite honest. I, it was, it was very nice. It was only when we stopped at aid stations that like my feet were killing me. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because it's more of like micro pain caves that you hit. I would say in a 31 miler, I'm as I'm reflecting back, like if you do 50 or a hundred K, which is 62 miles or a hundred miles, like there are going to be points where you're going to like want to give up. I'm, I'm assuming. And this one, there was no points like that where it was massive pain cave where you're just like, man, I don't know if I'm going to finish, but there were like micro pain caves where should I go a little bit faster? Should I slow down? Should I walk? And to Jeff's point of his strategy, we, we mentioned this on part one where it's the, the run walk. Like I wanted to not leave anything in, in the tank in terms of what we could have done. But I also wanted to race smart where it's like I wanted to be able to go out and run the next day and feel great going into this week, which I was. I, I was able to run three miles yesterday and I feel good other than Nick, the nicks and, and bruises. Um, so to the strategy, we did we did walk the uphills and kind of like feel it out. But to your point of like 18 through 24, I think they did a good job with these aid stations of kind of put them putting them around mileage that. Well, when you get to 18, the pain cave starts hitting. Like you're like, damn, we ran 18. We saw the half marathon left and we're pretty much in the woods by ourselves. So you start realizing like, oh, your body does want to be done, but your mind has to keep pushing it. But the realization is like from 18 to 24 and a half, like that's only six or seven miles. So in your mind, you're like, oh, it's only six miles. I've already done 18. I could easily do this next six. And then you get to 24. And I know that environment and vibe is everything. So after 24, and we, we saw my family and everybody was at 24, um, putting on that motivational Ben Lionel Scott 
music, I knew that that would carry us through. And I think we actually ran our best split our last six or seven miles. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. One of the things you actually told me when we were there, and maybe it was on our last podcast. I, I, now I can't even remember these bubbles. The <laughs> One of the best things is that like you don't realize that, yeah, your training kind of has an end to it, or maybe you have like a mile marker. But when you're into a race, you know exactly how many miles you're going to run, so you know how many are left. And so your body's like, I'm ready to finish this, or like mentally I know what is needed of me. And I think that really went a long way for our last few miles. And then also just the excitement of like, we're that much closer was just amazing. And then the, yeah, the energy that like having family supporters, it's, it's so great. Like I can't underestimate it or I, I always underestimated how easy and best it is to have like family members cheering you on and just like seeing the smiling faces and just like, man, I'm running this for like, not only myself, but to like motivate others to hopefully do hard things too. But uh, that that was so fun at like mile 24. We're taking pictures with your family We're we're grabbing the rest of our stuff. And yeah, it was it was good. And then those motivational <laughs> motivational podcasts that, or uh, episodes you had on oh, goodness, like it was awesome. And we also ran through the rain. Oh, we, we kind of missed that part. There was a spurt of rain in this race. And you I vividly remember we're going through like kind of a straightaway. There's some uphills. And like everything's feeling a little bit more slick because the leaves are starting to become a little bit more like slippery. And yeah, all of a sudden you just hear this rain coming through and you just turn around to me and you're like, you ready? And it was like, just like, get ready to embrace it. Like, how are you feeling? We're, and then you, we just said like, let's embrace it. And I was like, I'm ready to go. Like we can do this. Embrace we can do the suck, with the baby. Rain. Embrace the suck. And Fortunately, I did, we didn't have to embrace it for long. It was it was like 10 minutes. Um, and we were just like very blessed with with the weather that whole day. Like it would have been the reason that it would have sucked a lot wasn't even because of the temperature or that the rain itself, but the course we would have had to slow our running down, not because we weren't in shape, but out of precaution. And that would have been really annoying to have to slow down because there were so many leaves on the ground and you couldn't see the roots. So the rain would have just added this extra variable where it's not even that it just sucks. It's because uh, you're wet at that point, but because you can't really run the race and especially the last back half where I feel like we did really, really well. Like if you really think back, especially as we got closer, we were doing that 10 minutes for 10 minutes on four minutes. And what Jeff and I would do, and this is the beauty of running with a partner is I would run in front for the 10 minutes and then we'd start walking and, and rehydrating um, and fueling. And then Jeff would run in the front. So we were just switching back and forth uh, who was leading. And that also makes time go by and you kind of get in the zone of like, you're not seeing the same thing over and over again. So you're not seeing me or I'm not seeing you for tons of time. It's literally 10 minute spurts. And looking back, that's something that I, I, I would do again if I were to do a race like this. Let's, let's, get close to wrapping up here. I want to know what, so we, we went into it showcasing, uh, for the YouTube video that I have all the food and different types of things that we were going to try throughout the race. What were some of the things that you think were super helpful? And then what were some of the things that you were like, 
eh, like I could do without next time if there were any when it comes to hydration and nutrition. So uh, in the beginning of the race, I was using a lot of tailwinds and I think you were exactly right when you diagnosed it like mid race. Uh, so one of the things that I was like re really worried about or like monitoring a lot is my heart rate because I didn't want my heart rate to spike a ton throughout the running. And I think a lot of the, the products that we were using had a ton of sugar. So like not only did I have adrenaline, but I had a ton of sugar. So my heart rate was just jumping super high from what I wanted it to be or what I was expecting it to be. And so that that's one thing that I would like caution anyone if you're going to monitor your heart rate. Like you got to think that it is some of the sugar that you're intaking. It's all your nerves. So you got to discount it a little bit, but not a ton. The other few things, uh, those honey stingers, they the the gels were like I love those gels. However, at the end, I did not want to see another gel because you're just sucking these things down and like, oh no, please not anymore. And so like you still gotta I think the one thing you gotta push past not wanting some of the consistency of some of these products, but they help tremendously. Like your body needs that type of like the carbs and some of the sugars because it it needs it for the energy. And then number two or number three, I mean, the the element is awesome. I think I should have shaken it up a little bit with the different flavors that I have available because I've like got a variety pack and I just did all raspberry. And I was like, oh, I just don't want to taste this raspberry anymore. <laughs> so so I would say like maybe try to mix it up, test this in training, things like that. But uh, overall, like everything really worked out really well. But uh, yeah, I would I would definitely try to like add variety. Like it goes a long way, like chocolate wafers or whatever it might be. Switching up the flavors, not from like I was eating like all cinnamon stroop waffles. And I was like, damn, I have I have like three other flavors that I didn't even bring. But yeah, it, it was those are the things that you just kind of find out within yourself when you're you're in that pain cave. And it's hard to hard to like think about that in the beforehand. But yeah, be, be over prepared. We had so much stuff. Uh, last thing that I want to mention, I took one of those ketone IQ things. Man, I think it mentally helped me, but that stuff is horrible tasting. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was waiting for that. Um, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I think just like having more having more maybe flavor variety um, for me. Everything, I mean, my, I think my nutrition was so on point that like, I didn't even get to something that I was looking forward to, which is I brought smart sweets for the last like 24 to 31, like when we were at tw mile 24, I wanted to whip out the smart sweets, which is like uh, smart sweet candy. They actually have a high amount of carbs in them and they're, they're just like really good. And I saw somebody do it when I went to Cactus the Clouds in California and we did a eight, uh, nine mile hike and they, they brought those as some fuel and I was looking forward to having them, but my nutrition was so good that I, I completely forgot I even had them. Um, looking back, something that I think really actually did help a little bit more than the, the other things was I felt so good after I ate those. I had these Costco like protein balls that are like peanut butter, protein, a little bit of chocolate. And man, each one of those things are a hundred calories and I could pop those in my mouth and I ate three at one of the aid stations. So that's three, a quick 300 calories. On top of that, I had half a banana at that aid station and then some electrolytes, element T, um, and then a, a, a BPN, um, gel. And when I had those, that combination right there in such a short 
time frame um, plus a ketone IQ. That was when I started ripping those videos of, of things. It's like coming out of that aid station. And I think it really had to do with like those little protein balls. I really enjoyed eating them. So next time around, uh, I only had three that I brought that day. And I kind of had them at like the the almost halfway point to, of the race. And next time, what, I'm, what I'll be doing is creating, recreating those um, as much as possible. But other than that, yeah, the, the BPN gels, the UCAN gels I used, um, Cliff Blocks. I had some like fruit, little like organic fruit bars. I ate bananas. Um, I'm pretty impressed with how my stomach held up. I'm like re- very, very uh, excited that I held up really well, just like mm-hmm. housing stuff. But I think it's because I literally, we both burned 5,000 calories that day. And I just realized like my body is meant to do this. Like that's what I felt like. And I'm just, I'm very happy with the outcome of, of everything. Um, so we went over what the race looked like, some of the tough points in the race. Um, the last thing I want to touch on, we just hit nutrition is what are you going to use in your everyday life now that you've done this race? So we've had a day and a half to kind of think about it, but what did you learn or something you learned about yourself or a tactic or a strategy that you think you're going to implement into Jeff's everyday life? There, I, one of the biggest things, honestly, is that if you put your mind to something and you can say no to other things because you have a goal in mind, you can accomplish really hard things. So I was telling you this when we were sitting in the kitchen kind of like going over the whole race is that there were definitely points that like friends were inviting me out or we wanted to go somewhere and I had to say no because like I really wanted to focus on my training. And saying no is kind of hard to say to friends. So I I think like knowing that you can do that, you can accomplish a big mission. Those friends are still going to love you no matter what. And they're going to see that you did something really hard. And it's going to motivate them to try to do something hard. Now I have the story forever. I mean, like, will my story change that it rained the entire time and it was hard as shit and maybe my time started getting a little faster? I'm now at like five hours versus six hours when we completed it. Cause, uh, I want the little salesman in me to like pitch this as like, we rocked this thing our first time. Like, yeah, there might be some embellishment points, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, going, going, the big takeaways is one, like doing hard things. I have a story forever now and now it's ingrained in me. And now like my sister's reaching out. I was like, now I challenge you to do something very hard physically. Now I'm not just all talk. I like, I actually put my money where my mouth is. I now can say like, you have to go do something hard or, or maybe now I can challenge other friends to do it with me. And that's just going to be forever life-changing. And that was one of the things that I always wanted to do is you said like, do hard things with friends, man, we did it. I, I love you so much for it. Like this was an amazing experience together. Like all I want to do is hug you the entire time afterward. Like those endorphins that come out, it's, it's unreal. I, I would love for everyone to experience that. Yeah, that every everyone needs to experience it at one point in their life, and it's why I did it. It's what the the main reason I wanted to do it is thinking of other people and how I can become better for them, and that's why I opened up the invitation to anybody. And just super grateful that you accepted. I got to go through some like I got to find some old footage of us and some old photos to like kind of show the like the transformation. 
For me, I think the learning lesson is still that, that focus. It's how do I tap into that focus that I felt in sometimes during those hard moments in that race and use it in my everyday life, putting the phone down a little bit more, being more present, enjoying like the conversation that we were, we were having throughout it. Like I was so present that when we were having those conversations, I want to bring that into my everyday life because that's really what life is about. And I think we're just a distracted world right now. We're, we're put in these environments that are marketed to us to distract us because we are the consumer. We are how people make money is the human capital. So just realizing when I am that human capital, I needed to just like get out of that and, and really dial into what actually matters. Uh, that's my, that's my biggest takeaway because it is so fulfilling. Um, I don't want to have to wait for race day to feel that that's, that's where I'm going with this. Um, what's next? You know, I'm feeling like I don't want the endurance body. So I want to get into something a little bit more muscular and a little bit more taxing in that way. So potentially signing up for a high rocks with you at some point, or maybe like a little CrossFit competition when I go and join a different gym versus running a lot, but I know I can do it and I know I can do it even better with friends. So that's, that's what's next. Some, something's cooking. All right. It's December 4th. I'm giving you one month and then I, I want to hear what the, what the exact thing is. And then I'll come to you with mine. How about that deal? Cause what gets measured gets managed so if we plan for something even if it's just i'm gonna gain i'm gonna get a dexa scan and i'm gonna get gain a percentage and basically muscle then that's what it could be but i'll come to you a month from now we'll figure out what that is anybody listening i challenge you to do the same thing and i would love for you to find somebody out there that is a friend a family member heck even one of your somebody in your community that maybe you don't know and doing a race with them, you'd get to know each other better. Just sign up for something and enjoy the process of getting to the day of, because we can put so much pressure on that day of. And it's one thing that Jeff and I talked about throughout the process was just like this, this day of is not going to make or break us. That's who we became throughout the process of this. And I'm just excited that we got to experience not only the race, but friends, family, uh, time away from the usual everyday grind. It, it was so fulfilling and I'm looking forward to, to doing more and maybe potentially signing up for a race every single year and inviting friends along for that. So I think my biggest takeaway from these two episodes, because I always do um, episode takeaways, is share more of your story. I think it's awesome where Jeff is like one of my longest friends and having conversations like this, we do all the time, but there's so much value that we could give other people just by recording it. So maybe uh, if you're out there listening, think of something that, think of a story that you have to tell and don't just share it uh, behind closed doors. Maybe share it on social media, record a podcast, do something that I know will help other people out there because somebody's going to listen to this and potentially sign up for their own race. And Jeff and I aren't even going to know about that. And that is what makes this world a better place. But until next time, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. I look forward to connecting with you all and yeah, thrive on. 
What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.